The Bloody Elbow Podcast Network is moving. That's right. We're moving from SoundCloud and YouTube to Substack. It will still be available through your current iTunes, Spotify, and Stitcher subscriptions, but the main home of the Bloody Elbow Podcast Network will now be on Substack. While most of our audio content will remain free, we'll be asking listeners to please get a paid subscription to support the shows, which are now ad-free. Please give us your email and we'll send you notices and summaries of every new episode. Become a paid subscriber and get bonus segments only available to those who've pledged their support. Sign up at bloodyelbowpodcast.substack.com today. Bloody Elbow presents the MMA Vivisection, the show that gives you a comprehensive breakdown and expert analysis of all the fights happening on this weekend's UFC card. Here are your hosts, Zane Simon and Connor Rebush. Hey everybody, welcome back to the MMA Vivisection with me, Zane Simon, and my co-hosts, as always, Connor Rebush. We are here talking about this week's... Uh, LFA Bellator. What what is this card? Um, hold on. Let me just check the UFC. That doesn't seem right. <laughs> that, that can't be right. No. <laughs> Especially after last week's fight night card. Yeah. What is this? There's no way. They're going down at the Apex facility in Las Vegas, Nevada. So I guess oh, it must good. be a UFC oh, event. The only thing that could make this card possibly enjoyable would be some crowd energy so yeah, <laughs> yeah. heavyweights in a silent room is always great <laughs> <laughs> just hear the the heaving <sighs> breath, the <wind> yeah <laughs> <laughs> that's uh that's good yeah this is a real step down from uh last week yeah and, and was- i will say well, it was well, going to have Song Yadong versus yeah. Simone on it. And then they're just like, oh, no, we our next card is actually even worse. So I, I think the next one looks better. Although I, I, I think part of this is just the sort of uh, quality rating radiating off of uh, Song versus Simone. Yeah. Because I mean, I, when I first looked before, at this card. Before Song versus Simone. Once Saryukin Moikano fell off next week's card, it was yeah. basically unsellable. So they yeah. had to do that. But but when I first looked at this card, that's really the only thing that's changed about it, as far as I know. Yeah. And, and I was like, you know what? Not bad. <laughs> yeah. Not missing that fight, I am far less forgiving of of a, of a lot of just sort of half interesting fights. Not even a lot of half interesting fights. Yeah. Yeah. A few, and then a bunch of crap. Yeah, there's some stuff on here that you and I care about because we have uh, yeah necessarily no uh, no, no love attachment to oh, okay. some fighters on the card like Ricky Glenn. I like Ricky Glenn. Yeah, of course. But like, I'm not gonna sell anybody on. Oh no no no! You gotta watch this card. Yeah yeah. I mean, Ricky's on it. 
Yeah. Um, Unless you have no love in your life, like me and Zane, then yeah, exactly. There is really nothing to uh, to hook you on this card, except I suppose the main event, which is <laughs> as far as heavyweight main events go, um, has the potential to be more interesting than your average <laughs> heavyweight yeah. main event. Yeah, I mean it's a true two. It's a two true outcome fight, right? Uh, yeah, with some gray areas. I mean. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, the, the main reason it's interesting is because it Curtis blades. Yeah. Who, uh, and, and the funny thing is, is many, um, many of the people who would be watching this probably don't feel that way. I've seen Curtis blades booed, uh, during fights that I found to be fascinating by heavyweight standards. Yeah, no, because he's not just out there doing big punch man fall down action. He's yeah. out there. Uh, he's not even like a boring wrestler. Like Curtis Blades hits some dazzling high amplitude takedowns. He really does. But, uh, you know, people boo him in fights where he's hitting like 10 flying throws and stuff like that. I, I don't I don't get it. Uh, Sergey Pavlovich is much more what people want out of heavyweight. Mm-hmm. And that kind of sums up everything that I, I feel about him. I mean, he, he does look like a pretty good version of this guy. Yeah. He's, he's, he's he has continued to exceed my expectations after yeah. watching him, uh, struggle with an aged Alistair Overeem and yeah. Uh, struggle for the bulk of a round with Shamil Abdurahimov. Yeah. And struggle in an absolute grind with Mikhail Maknakin back in Fight Nights Global. Uh-huh. And and mostly struggle is the point you're making. Yeah. Like <laughs> the, the points where I the points where Pavlovich has a fight that is anything less than a one minute knockout. Yeah, it's unclear. Continually suspicious of his ability to knock people out in a minute, and then he just goes out and knocks yeah. everybody out in a minute. Yeah, which is, uh, you know, like you're picking your 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 quick finishing giant super athletes in this division. I'd much prefer like Tom Aspinall. That's a guy where it's, it's you know, he's got a lot of ideas about what he wants to do. Yeah. And um, and yeah, Sergey Pavlovich is much more in the vein. He's just a better uh, Chris Dawkins like. Yeah. At the moment. Yeah. At the moment. I mean, he's 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 big. He's fast for his size, and he is a surprisingly accurate puncher. Mm-hmm. Um, well, he throws straight, which is also one of those things that, yeah, like, sometimes it, it shouldn't be that shouldn't be a mystery at heavyweight. Like, oh my god, he can throw straight. He, he, he he's also capable of throwing the silliest hooks you've ever seen. But. Sure, but. The fact that he does throw some of his punches, like that's a big. That was Chris Dox's big trick. Yeah, it was just like, oh, these these punches come from my shoulders and not my hips, and everybody's yeah. like, oh my god, a wizard. Whatever, whatever Lemmy he was fighting that week, he cheating. Yeah, yeah. Oh, um, <laughs> yeah. So so Pavlovich has all of these wonderful attributes and, and skills going for him. He, it, like you said, he either knocks somebody out immediately. Or it's sort of unclear what he's going to do to win. Yeah. Or he's losing. Yeah. He, he, he's either knocks somebody out immediately or he's losing until he knocks somebody out or he just loses. Yeah. Or it's a, uh, you or know, it's a terrible, just a grind. 
exactly. Essentially, AJ Junior Rosen strike fight. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have to pick Curtis Blades to beat that. Yeah, I know. I know. It's. I know. I have done made this exact pick before, and I know that it has failed. Like Curtis Blades is durable enough for heavyweight, but he can be knocked out. Yeah, I mean, all the all of his losses are somebody just going out and knocking him out in like the first minute. Or well, I guess Derek Lewis. It it took Derek Lewis two rounds and and Ganu two rounds the first the, the first time, but it, yeah. it always it, it it's always sudden when all of these stoppages for Curtis Blades have have been like oh he's doing fine oh he's done okay yeah. it's also due to have failed to knock him out um, yeah no despite landing the most you know incredibly thunderous strikes on him Alistair Overeem sent a knee directly through Curtis Blades' chin, uh, and he weathered that. Mark Hunt had him in bad shape, and he weathered that and immediate, and hit a takedown even while he was still staggering uh, mm-hmm. and hadn't fully recovered. The, the thing is just that Curtis Blades, uh, the reason I'm always going to pick him in these fights, is that barring you know a, a freak KO from happening in the division where freak KOs happen more frequently than any other, is that he just does a thing that other heavyweights don't do and that no heavyweight is really prepared to deal with, uh, especially in an extended fight, which is wrestle. Uh He has a diverse wrestling attack. He can hit great blast doubles. He can hit really cool trip takedowns from the rear waist cinch and the body lock. Um, He can basically, he's a very well-rounded takedown artist. And... Um, unlike a lot of other takedown artists, like say Pavlovich, who has some cool takedowns in his arsenal, um, is interested in holding people down. And heavyweights just don't deal well with that. Uh, that fight that Pavlovich had with, I, th- I think it was the Moknatkin fight. Do you think he hits like his first takedown of the fight, like right at the end of a five rounder? That's the one I'm thinking of, right? Uh-huh. Uh, that went 25 terribly yep. tedious minutes. Yeah. Yeah. He hits his first takedown in like the fifth round. It's cool. You know, it's like a, I don't even know how to describe it. It's just like a twist down body lock, uh, yeah. sort of a knee trip kind of takedown. And then Thank Greco, the, that, you know, yeah, the, all yeah. the upper body focus. Yeah. Yeah. Which is why it, it looks strongly reminiscent of a, of a Muay Thai clinch takedown. Um, and then he is like on top of Moknatkin doesn't really seem to know what to do. And then Mokinakin, a much smaller man, just stands up. Uh-huh. <laughs> so, yeah, this is not Curtis Blades. No other heavyweights really do what Curtis Blades does. We've got that new guy, uh, Carl, whatever. Yeah. Um, another heavyweight wrestler. You know, they're coming. It's going to be a revolution in this division, I think. Curtis Blades is a pioneer, though. And as much as he might get caught, as much as... It could be like he's just winning like he was against Derek Lewis and and then gets KO'd the moment he goes for a shot. I just can't pick a guy like Sergei Pavlovich, especially after seeing what Alistair Overeem did to him. Yeah. Overeem clinched him against the fence. He hit a, frankly, very awkward uh, trip takedown that Pavlovich, because he didn't see the trip coming, just fell over. Uh, all that athleticism was not put to use in keeping his balance. And then he didn't know what to do off of his back. I mean, I think that's the yeah. bigger concern than the wrestling is that his grappling appears to be basically non-existent. Yep. 
Um, he just didn't know what to do. He just let Overeem improve position and crush him. And uh, essentially, Curtis Blades did to Alistair Overeem what Alistair Overeem did to Sergei Pavlovich. Mm-hmm. So I'm picking Curtis. Yeah. Yeah. I, man, I just feel like this is one of those times where I should just like trust my gut and just be like, yeah, he's just going to get knocked out. You're yeah. right. You, nothing about you said is wrong. And, uh, and and your decision would not be wrong either. It's happened. Yeah. yeah. If Derek Lewis can KO you, despite being a great wrestler, then Sergey Pavlovich can definitely KO you. And the thing with Curtis Blades, too, is so much of what we've seen lately from him is, oh, I'm going to spend at least a round standing with somebody. You know? Yep. I I am going to go out and I am going to test my striking for a, a round. I'm going to get myself comfortable in there. And that is just like you know, terrible place to be against somebody like Pavlovich, whose who's big thing is just, I'm going to burst out of the gate and hurt you as much as I can. Yeah. <sighs> I don't like it. Heavyweight is so stupid, dude. It, it really is. This the How many dudes have we seen take this Sergey Pavlovich path right up to title contention? Yeah. And then just lose, and like they just they just wink out of existence. No, it's true. I mean, char- charging up the heavyweight ranks only to get to the penultimate moment, fail, and then and then suddenly not be ranked at all. Like that, it's actually it's not just a heavyweight thing; it's a light heavyweight thing too. Yeah, you know, it's it's your Volkan Uzdemir's of the world. Yep. Where, and I would not be at all shocked if that's Pavlovich too. But God, I think I guess I'll take the smart pick. I did the smart pick with 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 Max Holloway over Arnold Allen in a card where we got every single other thing wrong. Mm. So I'll do the smart thing here too and take Curtis Blades, but I don't love it. Um, he you know Pavlovich's his game off his back is not good. His striking when he's not winning is not good. Yeah. It's just all gaps and problems. And Blades is somebody who, when he's not getting knocked out, is usually winning, even if it's striking. True. He's not a bad striker. He just is slightly awkward, and he just gets caught really clean when he gets caught. Yeah, he was, you know, he was winning that Derek Lewis fight and up until no the moment question. he decided he had to take Derek Lewis down instead of just outboxing him. Blades opened at minus 167 and is currently at minus 150 and uh Pavlovich opened at plus 149 and is currently at plus 1 40. Uh I'm using the cloud bet line on FightOdds.io, just so people know, because at least as far as I can tell, uh, having looked at all the lines they have on here, it's the line that like seems to represent the most actual play. You see, I, I see the most the most movement in that line, so it's it usually tends to be the line that took that I like to reference here. 
That brings us to a middleweight bout. Brad Tavares versus Bruno Silva. And... Uh-huh. I mean, it's just so... Brad Tavares is just one of those fighters that it is almost impossible to feel enthusiasm for at this point. Yeah. You know? Like I mean, he I... developed the most sort of fundamentally rock-solid basic MMA game and it has just never moved at all. It's never changed. It's never evolved. And it doesn't seem to pack any oomph to it at all. Yeah. So that like, I mean, Bruno Silva is not nearly as good as Brad Tavares in terms of, you know, technical striking, technical wrestling, technical grappling, defense, uh, what have you. But man, is Bruno Silva made himself a lot more of an interesting fighter to watch. Yeah. Brad, Brad Tavares is also not as good, I think, as he thinks he is. Yeah, that's that's very we saw in that Drakus Duplessis fight, which this sort of feels like just a redux of. Yeah, and um, I mean, it, 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 yeah, but that and that fight was defined by him like being just continually, repeatedly unprepared for the idea that like somebody would throw back at him after he stuck them. Like for for, for all of the rock solidness of Brad Tavares, when somebody just <laughs> like didn't accept taking turns in the striking, yeah. he just got hit every single time. It's true. And retreated in straight lines and like, yeah, it just shows how sort of, uh, unfortunately, how shallow Brad Tavares' game really was. Yeah, I mean, it, it's sort of, when I say rock solid, I, I, I do kind of mean like rock solid eight years ago. Yeah, you know, yeah, and I, I totally agree with you. I mean, I, and I think that is the intent is not to, take too many risks and to be great on takedown defense and um, yeah, not to like hang out in the pocket or chase finishes. That is the Brad Tavares style. It it usually is solid, but the fact of the matter is like th- because this is middleweight, most people have just not been capable of actually testing that. Yeah. Now I will say, I don't think Bruno Silva quite has that Drikus juice. I, yeah. I mean, yeah. he just got pulled apart at the seams by Gerald Mearshart. Yeah, exactly. Like, if Gerald Mearshart can box you up, then my suspicion is Brad Tavares can find an awful lot of openings. Mm-hmm. And, and Bruno Silva just doesn't have... There is a special fearlessness to Drikus Duplessis. Yeah. That really very few, even the craziest fighters, don't possess. I don't think... I don't know if Justin Gaethje is as fearless as Drikus Duplessis. Uh, yeah, that's... Because Justin Gaethje, he, like felt the need to get much better at MMA <laughs> within his style. <laughs> Plus he is so fearless that he's like, he looks at his game in the mirror. He's like, yeah, this is good. This is enough. Yeah. yeah. They're not going to kill me. So what's the problem? If Brad Devara is like finished evolving his game eight years ago, so did Drikus Duplessis. He just <laughs> had never taken an MMA class at that point. Yeah, which is especially impressive because Drakus Duplessis hasn't even finished evolving. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, there, it is definitely Bruno Silva. You know, the UFC has done the unfortunate thing that it does with a lot of fun regional fighters, which is expose just how one-dimensional they are. 
mm-hmm. when you put them in continually against high level fighters, then suddenly with you know Bruno Silva, yeah. it's like, oh, okay, you you swing some wild hooks, and if somebody can at all prevent that game in any way, you're basically going to be lost. Mm-hmm. And <sighs> yeah, Brad Tavares can, pr- I mean, the thing will be like, does Brad Tavares just get hit hard enough in two rounds that he loses those rounds, even while winning most of the fight? Probably, yeah. probably not, but he doesn't, he, you know, Tavares doesn't, he rarely puts a stamp on a fight where you're like, oh, wow. Yeah. That was a Brad Tavares win, you know? Almost never. I mean, yeah, that, that has been a problem. Even in his most dominant performances, like those few fights where he has just completely shut somebody out with his jab and his kicking game, even in those, there will come a lull. Yeah. Where he just kind of doesn't, continue winning doesn't build on the win like just set he's happy to set back reset go back to you know here's a one two here's a kick let's just you know not get overexcited getting overexcited how you get hurt and it's just like okay but you were winning and now you're just not winning now you're not doing anything and it gives the openings for the opponent to just decide well what if i just try to go throw at him really hard and see what happens. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, having said that, like, and, and Drica certainly stands out, but he is, he is no doubt in his way, a very good fighter. Mm-hmm. All the dudes who have ever beaten Brad Tavares are pretty great. Um, his rock solidness has basically carried him through everyone except like, um, like blue chip prospects and title contenders, and Tim Boach, and Tim Boach. That's true. That is that is the worry here. That's the standout. Tim Tim, some combination of Tim Boach and Drikas <laughs> could. And Bruno could, Silva could be that. He more. really could be. Yeah, just throwing hammers and not really caring about form, like not playing by the rules of how striking is supposed to work, is a great way to completely throw Brad Tavares off. Yeah. It, like, Silva, it has to be said that Omari Akbadov and Kyle Magalhaes didn't they didn't knock Tavares out, but you know they both those were split decisions. Like those were points where yeah. it was just a hair's breadth away from losing those fights. Yeah. So I'll pick Brad Tavares along with you because Bruno Silva really does. He he seems like he fits the absolute bill of the kind of fighter that gets into the UFC gets a couple of really good shocking wins while people are, don't really know who he is at all. And then once everybody knows what his game is, it just stops. Yeah. You know, I don't, I don't even know that I had committed to picking Brad Tavares yet, but it is my feeling. I don't know. I mean, the, yeah, the thing with Bruno is that um, one of the things that is special about Drinkus Duplessis um, and indeed Tim Boach. I mean, Tim Boach is also a comeback machine. Mm-hmm. He has a couple really notable comebacks in his career. He is a very tough, resilient fighter who will continue yeah. looking for the win no matter how far behind he is. Mm-hmm. Bruno Silva, uh, granted, I don't really think that was the story of his fight with Tavares. I think he just clipped him like on a weird clinch exit, if I recall correctly. 
Yeah. Um, Bruno Silva, like his his style operates the way it seems that Drikas' style should. Like he actually does fall apart. Mm-hmm. Um, pieces start to fly off. He gets tired. He he actually pays for how terribly inefficient he is. I still do have a sneaking suspicion that, I mean, Brad is thirty five. He's been fighting a long time. Yeah. Um. And I mean, it should be noted too that Bruno Silva did get like he, he basically held down and outworked by Andrew Sanchez for two rounds. Yeah. Before getting one moment in the third round to come back and just absolutely blitz him all the all the way to hell. Yeah. So I he mean, can I... do it, but he that was also a fight where he didn't actually really get a chance to expend any energy for the first two rounds because he was just being put on his back. Yeah, this is a guy who's not going to get tired unless he's given free reign to do what he wants to do. Yeah. <laughs> the thing he wants to do will exhaust him. Um. I mean, I, yeah, I think he might just be a little too formless. Um, so I guess I'll pick Brad, but I, I do have a it feeling is. that like these these dudes are just going to continue having more and more chances at hurting Brad. Yeah, he's never going to go. He he's not going to go out there, and you know he might put it on somebody for a round, and then in the next round he'll just go out and be like, okay, well let. That yeah. worked great, but risks don't he take kinda, them. He kind of put it on Duplessis for a round. Yeah, he absolutely did. He was kind of tuning him up early, and then he really just allowed him back into the fight. Yep. So, yeah, I'll take Brad. I mean, Bruno Silva just seems too messy, too too disorganized, too inefficient, and too hittable. Yeah. But uh, he certainly hits super hard, and that awkwardness can also be a weapon. And if Brad Tavares just gets into one of his characteristic lulls uh, or just gets caught caught early, like there is yeah. every possibility that Bruno Silva yeah, will just Mitch take Shabazian him out. really just went out and just said, hey, screw yeah. it. I'll just I'll just march you down and throw with a bunch of speed and power right out of the gate. Yeah. And he just caught Brad Tavares totally cold. Yeah. That's the trouble with with Brad Tavares believing in his own solidness. Yeah. Is that it feels like cheating when the opponent is just like, I'm going to walk at you and hit you really hard. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Tavares is the favorite opened at minus 152, dropped all the way down to minus 165 at one point, but is back up at minus 152 at the moment. Silva opened at plus 140 and is right about back there plus 137 at the moment so yeah it should just be a deadly close line there's Brad Tavares you you can pick him to get the grinding win but those are going to be the night it's not going to be a pretty fight where you feel good about it mm-hmm. you're not going to go out there and be like oh man yeah Brad Tavares he really just he he took him apart out there yeah like oh yeah I guess he barely won that one yeah okay well, moving on. Yeah. Every once in a while. Every once in a while, he'll make one. He'll have one great fight, and you'll just be like, damn, look at that. And then mm-hmm. it's just, you know. That fight he had with uh, Shoe Face. Yeah. Antonio probably Carlos one of his, his better, cleaner overall performances. But even that one had its lulls and yeah. took advantage of just how terrible Shoe Face's striking is. Yeah. All right. That brings us to a lightweight bout. Bobby Green, Jared Gordon, and 
I keep looking at this and wondering why I'm down on this fight. I think it's just because it doesn't seem like a fight Jared Gordon can compete in. Yeah, it just I mean, maybe like a... he can, but it's not. It, it it's not a really. It doesn't serve Gordon well in any way. This fight, so it's hard to think like. The, the, basically, if he if he wins this fight, it's going to be because Bobby Green makes mistakes. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's. I, I guess that is it. It just feels like a waste of Jared Gordon. Like, uh, I I don't know. It, 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 I guess it's it, it, I suppose it depends on what the matchmakers want out of a fight like this. Like, yeah, are they trying to build Bobby Green back up now that he's like finally gained a little cachet in the late stage of his career? Maybe. Are they trying to uh, are they trying to bury Jared Gordon because uh, Patty Pimblett put the promotional hit out on him? <laughs> It's like everybody has to forget about this man as quickly as possible. <laughs> I don't know, but it does feel like they don't, you know, if you just look at this as a, oh, you know, these, these two guys are looking for a fight matchup and it's like, uh, you, you don't know what Jared good, Jared Gordon's good for. Yeah. Cause it's not like dealing with a slick, quick, creative striker, uh, like Bobby green. Now, it is possible. Bobby Green has lost to grindy pressure fighters before. Yeah, like that's that's kind of what I'm saying. Is it like the fight is really becomes dependent on what version of Bobby Green shows up? Yeah, because yeah, he's lost to Drakkar close. Mm-hmm. And uh, granted, a lot of these are fights where it's not really clear that he lost. Yeah, the close fight is one of them. Yeah. Um, as is the fight with Tiago Moises, certainly. Yep. And Trinaldo. And Trinaldo. Um, but yeah, you can get the worst side of Bobby Green if you just sort of patiently pressure him and you look to tie him up in clinches and you do a lot of, you put out a lot of volume. Yep. Basically. And not and, even that much volume. I mean, Bobby Green outlanded all three of those men in those that's, fights. That's true. The Again. big thing is you put a lot of pressure on Green and you make his fighting look reactive. You make it look like he is yeah. only responding to what his opponent is doing. And that has a lot of sway with judges. Apparently. It's like, oh, even though, even though he's responding very effectively. <laughs> yeah. It's like, Not oh, he got hit. put he got his back put on the cage. He's having to defend a takedown. He got hit and then he countered. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, but he landed three shots after getting hit once. Yeah. And he like successfully slipped six punches thrown at him in that supposedly bad position. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. MMA judges just don't really seem to get Bobby Green. Yeah. He he's he is he has a curse on him at, at somewhere somewhere yeah. at some point. Anyway, we both feel like he's going to win this. Um, yeah, Gordon is Gordon's solid. I mean, I like Jared Gordon. He, sure, he's, he's, I, I I really loved his performance he had against uh, Danny Chavez. Oh yeah, that was that was a really great version of Jared Gordon. Yeah, uh, it makes me a little worried that. I don't really feel like I've seen that version of him since. Yeah. You know? I mean, granted, he's, he's just had different opponents. I mean, you know, yeah. Joe, Joe Selecki and Grant Dawson, like, 
um, I think both just put a serious hitch in his ability to put on that kind of pressure striking because mm-hmm. he had to worry about their takedown games. Um, I, I, I don't know. But, um, you know, yeah, he could do something like that, like what he did to Danny Chavez. But Danny Chavez, like, for all the surface-level similarities to a guy like Bobby Green, like, oh, here's, a, here's like a quick counterpuncher, uh, who like will stand weirdly square and put himself against the fence if you pressure him. Mm-hmm. Bobby Green does it because it works. Like he's good at it. Yeah, it's actually very difficult to get your strikes off, and you were going to be running into really hard and accurate punches in return. Wait, um, people have to realize he was schooling Drew Dober. Yeah, most of that fight, and it's only that Drew Dober is built like a truck and hits like a truck yeah that got him the win yeah and had to make some equal parts um clever and ballsy adjustments yeah but like you know jared gordon he his next knockout in the ufc will be the first one since his debut yeah he he and Bilal muhammad are teammates in more ways than one yeah teammates and good friends mm-hmm. in more ways than one. Um, yeah. So like a purely attritive striker who has an offensive wrestling game, but not really a great one yeah. uh, against a usually extremely solid defensive wrestler in Bobby green, who is extremely solid everywhere defensively. Um, and even more so lately has been pretty damn assertive off the back foot has really yeah. been seizing uh, opportunities to fire straight shots down the pike as like very early in fights. It, ever since the uh, Moisesh fight, honestly, yeah. yeah, Green has made sure that if he's losing, it's not because right he's not doing the right things to get the judge's attention. Yeah. It's not because he's not putting out enough on or he's not landing clean enough or he's not putting enough snap behind his shots or whatever. Like, that fight he had with Rafael, Rafael Fiziev, he came yeah. ch- charging back in that fight at the end of it. He didn't win the first two rounds, but it was a great account of himself. Mm-hmm. You know, there was zero, uh, or the fight he had with Islam Makachev, like he, you know, he was, it was a, sh- I think that was a short notice bout too. Like he, ju- it was just it not was, never yeah. a fight that he was going to win. And then the Drew Doper fight, he looked great until he got caught. And, and I think this matchup has uh, the potential to look a lot more like um, Green Iaquinta. Yeah, Green Iaquinta or Green Hawk Paras than it yeah, did. He was just landslide assertive in those yeah. fights. Yeah. So I, I have to pick uh, King Green here. Yep. Same. I mean, it's just, you know, especially like looking at the fight, the, the, wor- the worrying thing for me with Jared Gordon is the fight he had against Patty Pimblett. Mm hmm. Because Pimblet is not slick. He's fast and he ha- is fearless, and that that makes him. He's anti slick. Yeah, he, <laughs> he is, is literally incredibly hittable. Uh, but Pimblet clearly got in Jordan's head, or got yeah. in Jordan's head rather, and because by the end of that fight, like Gordon was just like, "Oh, I just need to." To clinch onto this guy and hold him. Yeah, he psyched him out enough that he thought he had to coast to a win, that it wasn't worth the risk of continuing to beat Patty's ass on the feet. 
And that, you know, that is not the version of Jared Gordon. No. That like knocked out Joachim Silva. Yeah. Or just like tear tore Danny Chavez to shreds. He got knocked out by Joachim Silva, but like was doing well against Joachim Silva or yeah. Tore Danny Chavez to shreds. Yeah. Or, you know, march down Chris Fishgold or beat Dan Morit. Like the 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 good version of front foot brawling Jared Gordon is not, oh, I'm gonna clinch you and push you to the fence and hold you there. Yeah. And honestly, I, if that's the guy that's gonna come out against this version of Bobby Green, it just doesn't I just don't think that works at all. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think if anything, he's gotta do his best volume. Uh, layered, uh, yeah. swarm, swarming boxing approach, and yeah. uh, even that, I just don't think he's like got the speed or the the zip on his shots. To he, he's no Dustin Poirier, you know, he's no Drew Dober. He's yeah, he's got to hope for the the, the Dracar close here, and yeah, close and even is... there. He's he's too he's just too normal, Jared Gordon. That's yeah, why I like it, but he's just not a beast uh, physically no, and it does hamper him uh, against a guy like Bobby green. Who's a good athlete and, and incredibly technical green is a clear favorite opening at minus two ninety and currently at minus two forty five. Gordon opened at plus two forty six currently down at plus two thirteen. Like the the line wide, honestly. Mm-hmm. Like Gordon as a fighter who doesn't stop anyone in a foot race with Green, I'm I'm just not going to pick him right now. Yeah. Uh, that brings us to a woman's strawweight battle: Yasmin Lucindo against Brogan Walker Sanchez. And uh, yeah, I mean. That fight from Walker Sanchez against Juliana Miller was terribly telling. Mm -hmm. Because, like, we just saw against, for Juliana Miller, that if you are at all willing to simply stand stand on your feet and punch her... She doesn't have a lot of other options she can go to. You know? Veronica Macedo just was like, oh, okay. I'll just light you up, and then when you step forward, I'll take you down. And Miller couldn't really do anything with that. And for Walker Sanchez, it was a huge problem. Mm-hmm. She was entirely unwilling to meet Miller on striking terms, even when she was winning there. And the biggest reason was that just she can't throw more than one strike without getting off balance. So every time she would punch Juliana Miller, she had to follow up by clinching with her. Every time she would clinch with her, it would just become a battle of wills. And Juliana Miller had much a much stronger will than Brogan Walker Sanchez. Mm-hmm. And I, that just seems like it's going to be as big a problem against Yasmin Lucindo. Lucindo is 
a much more technical, much more fluid, much more uh, combination savvy striker than Jazz uh, than uh, than Miller, Juliana Miller, mm-hmm. and uh, she is just as a you know she's just as aggressive and unwilling to back down from conflict so if Brogan walker sanchez if her best shot is to like try and outstrike her or to then hold her down and control her lucindo just doesn't seem like she's gonna have that kind of fight no so lucindo just seems frankly just way too athletic Um, yeah she's she's fast she hits hard as hell uh, I think this is a fight like she can afford to make way more mistakes than Brogan yeah. Walker, and she will. Like <laughs> she's 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 very messy mm-hmm. at times. I mean, she's capable of being quite technical. Um, she's she's a bit like um, uh, she reminds me a bit of like Wei Li Zhang, especially earlier. Like mm-hmm. where um, you know. I, I don't know that I would say at any point in Whaley Zhang's fight with Yoani and Jacek that she was like clearly the more technical fighter, but she was fast and hit hard and she just picked the right moments to use those attributes mm-hmm. um, and picked up on patterns. And um, certainly Lucinda was able to do that even against a, a, a fighter as good as um, Haurigi. Yep. That she was finding the left hook counters and was making adjustments as the fight wore on and is also, yeah, just fast and powerful as hell. So, um, and tough. Like, she likes to fight. I think Brogan Walker is in for a, yeah. a, very, a very bad night. Yeah, it just, that fight against Miller was bad. And it looked bad for Walker because it looked like she just didn't want to be in that kind of fight. You know, like, we... We've seen a lot of stuff. We've seen a lot from Veronica Hardy over the world over the years of being tense mm-hmm. and being too like gassing out and pushing too hard and seeming like a fighter who was just, you know, didn't really enjoy the conflict of fighting, wanted mm-hmm. to show style but not actually get pressured. But again, she was still able to go out there and just control Miller and to outstrike Miller and to handle Miller's pressure. Walker could not handle that. Yep. At all. And that's that's worrying because I, I granted, I mean we should point out that Veronica Hardy got better. She did. She did not, get better. It's, it's not her performance against Miller is not ne- just a test of um like her old tenseness and stuff. It no. wasn't But that uh, tenseness wasn't gone. It no, was no, better. Just, it was better, but it wasn't better. gone. You know? And it, yeah, it's not like, you know, Hardy is now suddenly a title contender because she beat Juliana Miller or something. Yeah. Sanchez just doesn't, you know, if, if, if that was too big a hill to climb, a lot of fighters can meet her at that level. So. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, the only the only other the only potential here that really I see that would make me think twice is the fact that she's dropping to straw weight and the size might just give her a chance to take Lucinda down and grind her or hold her against the cage and grind her. 
but I, I don't think that Sanchez has the coordination or balance to really make me feel like she's going to have an easy time getting to those points. Yeah. So, odds on the bout. Lucindo is a heavy favorite. Opened at minus 272. Is currently down at minus 317. Walker Sanchez opened at plus 233. Is currently at plus 268. Yeah, that makes sense to me. Trending wider. Already a sizable favorite. That seems fair. Mm-hmm. All right, that brings us to a welterweight bout, our final bout of the main card. Jeremiah Wells, Matthew Semmelsberger, and uh, this, is, this is kind of a tough one, too, to call. Yeah, yeah, it's sort of like the main event. It's tough for me. Yeah. Like- Reasons that aren't that interesting to me. Yeah. <laughs> Does this guy um, sort of bash and smash the other guy enough to beat him? Jeremiah or... Wells does remarkably have much worse punch form than Sergey Pavlovich. Yeah, yeah, but it's not worse than Chaos Williams. Who, no. Uh, who did beat Matt Semmelsberger. Put a, by... Yeah, he put a real scare into him early, and it took Semmelsberger forever to tr- to trust himself to yeah to to go and step in on. So that that is the one perspective uh, from which I I do find this interesting is as a I I do always um like seeing fighters get the chance to sort of run back a, a, a troublesome style matchup. <laughs> and um, yeah, I mean this is an opportunity basically for Semmelsberger to to insert himself into a fight against a, a just a, a reckless slugger much earlier mm-hmm. and to to um to like be comfortable fighting with like volume and movement and um and just trying to sort of rack up a lead on this kind of opponent it took him ages to get there uh, against williams and i i think fundamentally it's the thing is, is, is the, the, the right way to beat a guy like KS Williams or Jeremiah Wells is not necessarily who Matt Semmelsberger is. Yeah. Semmelsberger is like, um, Rob font without like the coaches that made Rob font embrace like volume striking. Mm-hmm. Cause he has like the first two layers of like a clean outside boxing game. It like ends when he throws the right hand. Yeah. Um, it's very clear pretty quickly into a fight that what Semmelsberger really wants, that the jab is bullshit. Like what he really wants to do is wallop his opponent with a huge right hand. Mm-hmm. And he has gotten himself into trouble against the likes of Morono or even fights. He's won like, uh, like against um, Fletcher or no, the, yeah. the Jake Matthews fight rather. Yeah. The Jake Matthews fight. Even in that one, he could not like um, actually, he was winning the whole time, but he could not like convert the win very it's, easily because he just kept trying to load up on huge right hands. Yeah. They kept hurting Jake Matthews. The guy's a puncher and mm-hmm. Matthews's defense isn't nearly as good as he thinks it is, but um, he, he just, he, he has the frame and the sort of outward appearance of a slicker fighter, but he's, he ends up being quite obvious. Mm-hmm. And putting himself out of position and, and yeah, throwing himself into 50-50 fights with punchers like Williams and Wells, for which the odds are not 50-50. 
Yeah. Uh, so I don't know. Um, I, I haven't really seen anything to indicate that he wouldn't lose to Chaos Williams again. But I also like I just look at a guy like Jeremiah Wells and I, I'm just I'm not inspired, Zane. Yeah, I mean, Wells is he he's very much in that Bruno Silva spot. Yeah, where he's run out of the gate. He has put a scare into a bunch of people. People have not been, you know, known what to make of him. And he is clearly a powerhouse. And now you're just kind of waiting for everybody to adjust and for the, the wheels to fall off. Yeah. Because there is no depth to the game. And at some point, people are going to be like, wow, this guy punches really hard. Guess I should pay attention to that. And once they do, what's going to be left? You yeah. know? Like, this is a problem that even Chaos Williams is starting to run into, you know? Oh, yeah. 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 It happens to all these dudes. Yeah. Um, and. It might be Semmelsberger might be the person to do that, or he might not. Like it, you know, he might be the person to to solve that riddle, or he could just be the next guy who gets clubbed until somebody else is like, oh, you know what? I should try not getting hit really hard by this guy and see what happens. Yeah, I don't know. I guess I'll take Wells. I I, I like Semmelsberger. I want him to grow and improve, but I'll, I'm gonna take Semmelsberger here. Mm-hmm. I think that he's working hard to overcome his anxiety about having to fight a puncher. Like the way he approached Jake Matthews initially, like right out of the gate made me feel a lot better about what he's trying to do. Yeah. It's predictable still, but it didn't come with trepidation. Mm-hmm. And if he can just be, I mean, all I'm waiting for with Wells is for somebody to to have chin enough to stay to stay with him, you know. And if they have that, then you're really yeah. Just, I mean, I'd like to say that the the way to beat Wells is not just to like pit your chin against his. I don't. Yeah, I don't. It, somebody, it's not. He's a mess. Somebody should be going out there and tearing him apart. Like, yeah. Um. But yeah. So I'm just going to bank on, for right now, I'm just going to bank on Semmelsberger being durable enough and having gassed himself up enough to take a fight to Wells that will wilt Wells and to survive it. So I'll take Semmelsberger, but not for like smart reasons. Yeah. Oh, man. As an amateur, this isn't relevant or anything. It was a long time ago. But uh, as an amateur, Semmelsberger got KO'd by William Knight. Well, he's not the only one, but what was he doing fighting William Knight? Yeah, right. It must have been at 205. Yeah. I can't imagine Knight ever being smaller than 205. No, and I can't imagine Semmelsberger being bigger, being a heavyweight. No, certainly not. Even 205, Semmelsberger seems like a mistake. <laughs> he's way too small for 205. He is. He's not, he's not a small welterweight, but come on. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I'm just taking Wells. I just have a feeling that yeah. Burger is just going to get shocked by something and it's going to throw him out of his groove. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised at all. Do you remember when Jeremiah Wells started that fight with the dude named Blood Diamond? 
who they like tried to make into a thing for a minute and then immediately dropped it. Yeah. I'm... And he started the fight running around the outside of the cage. Oh, yes. His, yes. He got yes. his foot caught. Foot yes. And almost got knocked out because he decided he wanted to run a lap before engaging in the fight. <laughs> Just. Just yeah. the most. Why? That is insane. What? Why? <laughs> what is he thinking at any moment? It's hard to say. Yeah. I think more than KS Williams, I think Wells might be our new, um, our new Alawali Bangbosh. Yeah, or uh, I'm also, th- you know, like, um, oh, who's the red? Who's the dude? And who, uh, that featherweight who got Spike Carlisle. Oh, yes. Yeah. Just. I think he's a little smoother than Spike Carlisle, honestly. Carlisle is such a weird athlete. He's yeah. He's like Drakus. He's really yeah. awkward. Like yeah, that's true. All yeah. right. Anyway, that's, it. that's, that's the main card. Semmelsberger opened at plus one thirty-two. He's currently down at minus one hundred nine, which means Jeremiah Wells is sitting also pretty much on dead even odds. Open at minus one forty-seven. Is currently at minus one hundred two. Yeah. That's fine. These two are both going to land hard shots and both have major functional problems with their games that make them hard to sustain. To access the bonus content of this show, you must be a paid subscriber. To do that, go to bloodyelbowpodcast.substack.com and subscribe today. The Bloody Elbow Podcast Network is moving. That's right, we're moving from SoundCloud and YouTube to Substack. It will still be available through your current iTunes, Spotify, and Stitcher subscriptions, but the main home of the Bloody Elbow Podcast Network will now be on Substack. While most of our audio content will remain free, we'll be asking listeners to please get a paid subscription to support the shows which are now ad-free. Please give us your email and we'll send you notices and summaries of every new episode. Become a paid subscriber and get bonus segments only available to those who've pledged their support. Sign up at bloodyelbowpodcast.substack.com today.